0: So turn me to Ecclesiastes 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we're making progress, as I said we're in a little different section of Solomon's book here, Ecclesiastes. He's gone more from his experimental phase to giving us advice, imparting wisdom to us. That's kind of what he's known for, he's he's, he's written us, you know, Proverbs and Song of Solomon, and uh, we have this book of Ecclesiastes, and we have his life story, and First King, or yeah, First Kings, and then Chronicles as well. And here he is. His experiment here has been on life on Earth. Uh, the phrase he uses: "under the sun," living here and now, not thinking about eternity, but just kind of here and now. And we know his conclusion, because that's our memory verse, is that you know, we need to pay, about, pay attention to eternity, and we need to pay attention to God. But he's been kind of assuming, like, what, what, what's it like if we're just living for here and now? And so he's given us some adv- advice, and so uh, yeah, his advice is for living under the sun, or here and now, but it's still, here it is like his second piece of advice, it still involves God. Because it's a given, right? We can't look at anything and say, oh, there's no God. This did all just happen. And especially in the ancient world, they're like, no, there's someone who's in charge or someone who's done this. And so um, his focus isn't on eternity so much as it is on on now, on here on earth as we live today, tomorrow, you know, this week, living for here and now, not necessarily the eternal ramifications. And, and sometimes... I wrote two paragraphs here that I scratched in and out, you know, trying to think how, how I view things. And like, a lot of times I view things as, what's this going to affect my eternity as far as, in, you know, am I doing things that please him, that, will, uh, that, that he will be, say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, versus things that displease him about, you know, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones, those type things. And Solomon's not even thinking that. He's just thinking life on earth. You know, and so um, he's not thinking eternal ramifications. He's just thinking here and now, how to have... Good life here and now, so that's what he's talking about. So, in his advice um, and, and his life here and now under the sun, he gives advice concerning God because that's just smart. He's a smart guy. He's like, well, whether you're for him or against him, you better respect him. That's uh, kind of how he puts it. Um, let, let's read the first um, seven verses here. So, I think that's where we're at. Yeah, so. So Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou art upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness, and the fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error, wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands. For in the multitude of dreams, and many words, there are also diverse vanities but fear thou God. So this is his segment of advice. and um, Verse 1 says, Keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God. Um, keep thy foot. You know, we wouldn't say it that way. Keep thy foot. You know, we don't uh, guard your steps. We, we might say that. That's, that's the same thing. Walk carefully. Tread lightly. That, that's the same kind of, uh, uh, of expression here. Solomon's vice is, is pretty much: uh, pay attention. Pay attention as you walk into God's house. We don't just walk in willy-nilly. We're not. We're not to be just like, oh, here we are, you know, roaming in. He is saying, no, I want you to pay attention. And the best one I could think of of someone treading lightly that I figured most of us had seen um, is in a movie, of course. Um, Indiana Jones, I think most of us have probably seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? And so, if you remember like the opening scene where he's after this golden idol, right? And he's, he's gone through a few different things. He's got the little guide with him and he, and he gets to where he can see it. You know, a light beam's coming in. Oh, and there's this piece of gold sitting there and it's lighting up and it looks like, well, it's an open hallway. You know, and the other guy gets ready to just go walking in. Let's go get it. And he's like, whoosh, stops him. And he takes his little wooden staff and he sticks it down and he finds out one of those stones isn't just a stone. It's a trap, you know, and then a the little poison dart comes and hits it. You know, and so then the whole scene is, the tension of the scene is that he is treading lightly as he is approaching this thing. He's having to be very cautious about every footstep, where it's going to be, which one's a trigger, which one's solid to stand on, all that. You know, just that whole careful approach, because if not, if he walked in there willy-nilly, poison dart, poison dart, you know, and and next thing you know, he's dead. And so, same sense here, but we're not talking about a gold idol that some man made. We're talking about approaching the living God. You're not just gonna walk into his presence willy-nilly. Do, 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 do. You know the, the the tabernacle had a gate. There was a priest to met you at a gate. And only the priest could go in that way. And then to get into the Holy of Holies and the Holy of the Holies. You know, it took special preparation, special on a special day. You just didn't just walk in there. You know, it was thoughtful. And it was a lot of prayer and a lot of offering, a lot of sacrifices and thinking. And, and going in there with very much, you know, a dire mindset of, I'm approaching the living God. I'm going to be standing up for these people. You know, the high priest had everything waiting, waiting on him as he goes in there. It was very thoughtful. It wasn't just like, yeah, hey, you know, no, it's tomorrow. No, he thought about it and prepared, and they prepared him. And so that's how we should be. We're not to rush in and rush out with just no thought. Kind of like, oh, i got to go do got church check you know, and just go on that way. So, no, it's to be a thoughtful approach, that we are coming before our holy Lord. Lord, we are offering him you know, the first part of the week to come before him and to hear from his word and to listen. We're not to be distractive. It's distractive or they're distracted. We're not to have our mind elsewhere. We're to focus in, and I, I, that's a hard thing. Sometimes it's hard thinking when I'm talking. Let alone I can remember sitting there and like being distracted. And like uh, the church we pretty much went to most of the time didn't have windows because I would probably be like, "What's that card doing? What's that car doing? What's that?" Car? You know, I'm easily distracted. I remember counting all the bricks on the front. Yeah. yeah drywall uh, so, so, you know and then looking at all these things you, know, things you know your mind would keep you going away i doodle what i think but that that's that helps me actually focus but you know we're coming before god and we're to be focused in and it's a fight and satan knows it's a fight you know but If we get here the whole time, you're like, well, we'll we'll put our time in here, then we have this event, and then we'll have food, and what kind of food? And I don't know. I think this sounds good. Can I text a head seating? I don't know. Is that a thing? Maybe I should invent that. Ecclesiastes, that's weird. What color shirt is he wearing? It's like, man, is that a clip-on tie? No, I tie it. And if I don't get it tied on the third tie, I can't remember. I forget how to tie it after I've just tied it three times. So I get it in three tries. So on and on, we get distracted. There are many things. It's like, what's that going on? so, you know, from... The minute you get here until the minute you leave, he's saying you know, there's a lot of distractions that could be pulling you away. And, and Solomon's advice here for a good life on this earth, be thoughtful as you approach God. Don't just walk in willy-nilly. You know, you need to be paying attention as we're coming into this day. We use this space for many different things. We have meals here. We've had vacation Bible school here. We've had all kinds of things here, you know, and so it's multi-purpose. But when we have the chairs set up in whatever array we do... Uh, <laughs> Sanctuary time. You know, it's like during this time it's, it's not a gym, and we're not running around, and we're not playing around doing crazy things. You know, it's a, it's a set set aside, it's reverent. And so we're supposed to be keeping on guard. We're supposed to be guarding our steps. We're supposed to be ready to hear. He says here, verse one, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Be ready to hear. So keeping our step and then being ready to hear. I've never been in war yet. Uh, Hopefully not. (laughs) Um, But I played war plenty of times as a kid, as an adult. I played um, the... you know, some severe um, uh, attempts at war without getting hurt other than uh, paintball, you get a bruise, it hurts, you know, it puts a fear, you don't want to just walk in front of a paintball gun, it, it hurts, airsoft, same way, you know, <laughs> paintball's a little more pain to it, so it kind of adds that reality, you know, it's not just like, oh, I want to walk out there and just get shot, because it hurts, you know, so you avoid getting shot, and so it kind of puts that, it's tag you know, with, with hurt involved, and so, you know, it, it's like mock war, um, and I've hunted. You know, and uh, I've never done much getting, but I've hunted a <laughs> lot, you know, growing up with my family. And, and, and the main thing that I had trouble with with hunting and why I didn't do much getting is because it's hard for me to be slow. It's hard for me to sit still. That's my main thing. Dad would give me a time limit. You cannot leave from this tree until such and such time. And if you do go that way, so maybe you run something to us. Okay. And so I'd just be counting down the time where I can go see what's over the next ridge and next door to the hill. And what's that creek like? And I don't know. and it just the wonder of what could be out there. You know, maybe there's a pack of deer sitting over there like, oh, we didn't think you were coming. You know, And I would do all these things, but we'd walk. And I remember Dad teaching me how to walk. First time, it's like, uh, pick up your feet. You know, I'm just dragging my feet through there. It's like, you've done scared everything out of the woods. We might as well go home, all right? Second time, uh, watch out for those sticks. You know, <laughs> snap, crackle, pop, and then he'd be telling me, like, think like an Indian. You know, you got to think like an Indian. They're creeping through the woods, they had moccasins on. It was like, they would look where every step would go, and they'd be that way. They'd be like, a little bit faster, because I'd be over there. You, you, I'm sold out to it. And then, don't step on that log. It's rotten. It's going to make a big noise. It's like, I had to be very thoughtful, and it all stuck with me. It's like. Walking through a woods you know, with someone who's hunted is different than with someone who hasn't hunted. You hear them coming a mile away. My kids could sneak up on me. Because you know, we practiced being an Indian through the woods. They knew the quiet path and how to go. It's like something about that. You know, listening. Especially if you're to, we're in teams and we're playing against each other in that way. And you're in the woods... They don't want to be seen. They're all dressed in camos. There's guys shoving sticks in their head and everything else. And, and so you're, you don't want to just one, run into it. And the way those games usually start, you have somebody on this side, somebody on that side, and you're trying to get their flag. And so when you're going across that way, it's like, did I hear anything over there? Is there someone over there? Are they behind that tree? Are they going to shoot me? You know, I don't want to just get shot out of the blue. It's like, you want to see them coming. I want to shoot them first as the ultimate goal. Um, Second Timothy, if you turn there. And, and so I'm listening. You know, when you're, especially when you're playing those games or if you're in war, and that's what... Paul tells Timothy in Second Timothy he he talks about war. Second Timothy chapter two. He's in this is his last letter, Paul's last letter, and he's talking to young Timothy, and he's in, encouraging him as he's going to be pastor, and he's giving him advice. Much like Solomon's given us, and verse three, Second Timothy two, verse three says, "Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." Uh, a soldier endures hardness. One they go through boot camp, you know, and then they have someone telling them what to do every minute of the day and what they're going to do. They have a disciplined life. You know, it's different. Then, when they're at home and they just did whatever, someone tells you, you to get up and you're going to do this and you're going to go there, whether you want to go there or not. You're going to go there and you're going to wait there and you're going to do, you're going to storm the beach. You're going to, all those different things that come. You know, there's a, there's a discipline uh, life to a soldier. Um, there's a discipline. It says, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier. Verse four, no man warreth and entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. They want to please their general they want to please the one who sent them on this message or on this on this uh, mission and so um there's a hardening so there's a disciplinedness they definitely watch where they walk there's landmines you know men have invented things to like people are going to walk through here let's blow them up you know we have ieds we hear about them all the time now that is there you're going to look for movement um if something's moving over there. It's death. It's not like oh, I got stung. I got pain on me now. It's like you know, might not be going home You're going home in a box. You know, so you're watching for that. You know, you want to watch how you move because you don't want to draw fire. You don't know, just want to be willy nilly through the woods dragging your feet because you know everybody's gonna be shooting at you. There they are. You know, like clodhoppers going through the woods. You know, so you're careful about this. And so you, you watch. It says here that he's not affair. You know, he's not bogged down with the entangles uh, himself there with the affairs of this life. You know, but guarantee this was written. Before cell phones, but this applies, I'm sure the soldiers aren't out there like right now. Like, oh, what's going on? Soldiers up you know, you're a dead man. You got a cell phone going, looking on your phone, walking along. No, you better have your eyes up and watching where you're going or you're dead. And so you have to be paying attention. And if someone is playing real war with you with real bullets, you're listening to everything. Was that a twig? Was that something over there? Did you hear something? How far was that? Where are we? Where's it coming in? And all of a sudden your life is on the line. Your ears are open, right? You know, they are quiet. They are walking cautiously. They are focused. Their attention is on where they are and their surroundings. What's going on? Their eyes are wide. They're taking in everything. You know, they're they're looking for it all. Especially if you're the guy up front. You know, watch while you're watching. Your ears are open and you are listening. Is that, is that deadly? Is that danger? Is that what's coming? You know, they're listening hard. They are praying hard. Lord, let me make it through this. Lord, let me get through this here and now. Lord, watch over and guard our, 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 my troop and what this is. You know, they are invested in where they are and what they are doing. That's what Psalms say in Ecclesiastes 5. Be invested while you're here. Be invested on what you're doing, where you are, who you are talking to, who we are singing about, what we are saying, what his word says to us and how that applies to us here and now. Be invested in the here and now. Be in the here and now. You're watching, waiting, and think if we live life that way. Is that sin coming? I want to avoid that. Am I if I'm, if I'm watching for this? You Avoiding all this? But here Solomon is specifically putting it down into, you're coming to God's house. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Guard your steps, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. He says he wants us to watch our approach, to be thoughtful when we come to God, to God's house. Sometimes it needs to start on Saturday night. I'll show you, if you're have a good Sunday morning, the more you start on Saturday night, the better it's going to be. To make sure you're here and awake and not tired and too busy, and, and hey, it's a day he's asked for. He didn't ask for a day, it's, you know, the first day of the week he's asking for, supposed to kind of give him the day in that way, you know, we have two parts that we come back and forth in that way, but it's to be his and to have that kind of openness, you know, I try to respect your time too, but it's, we're coming to God's house, let's realize it's for him, be ready to hear. So we come in quiet and we come in invested in the time here and now, we come in approaching him with guarded steps, you know, he's the living God that we are walking before, do you ever imagine yourself on the day when you come before God's throne? Any of you running? You know, when you're thinking about that day when you're like, there is God, and we are called, he's called our name, and I don't know if we're all in the waiting room out there or what, and it's like, hey, Brian, your turn. Here's how I always imagine it. <gasps> and then I'll be approaching him like, oh. And I wouldn't be like, hey. Here, here. I'd be glad to see him, and I'll be struck with awe and wonder, I'm sure. And I could think like the song, will I dance for you, what, whatever it is. <clears throat> I have a lot of that, but I know one thing, there's going to be a fear and respect. There's going to be a... How do I do this? You know, what's the right way? How do we approach him? You know, I might be looking at the angels. What are they doing? Are they Okay, I'm going to walk like them. What's protocol? You know, I want to know what protocol is as I go in. We're going to be ready. I'm going to be listening. You know, as he's saying, a little bit faster? Yeah, not that slow? You know, come, you know, I'm going to go appropriate to what he tells me to. Or does he just want me to be still? I, I, I don't know, but that's the same when we come in here. To, to have that expectancy of uh, approaching him, ready to hear, coming to listen, to Be still. There's so advice in this about being still, about being quiet. And he mentions that a lot in his Proverbs too, about that quietness and guarding our mouths. Samuel, you know, he heard from God in the quiet of the night, right? And he was just a young boy. I thought he heard someone that night, you know, Samuel. He thought it was Eli. You want something? It wasn't me. And so, then, so he hears, and by the third time, you know, he's like, oh, yes, Lord. And he gets to hear from Elisha. He goes to that mountaintop. and He was afraid. He was seeking God. There's a strong wind that came, and the rocks broke, and an earthquake that comes, a loud earthquake as it shook things. And said, so after that, a fire broke forth and it roared and it raged in the loudness of a raging fire. Just from a storm with a thunder show going on with a strong wind and that raging of that through the trees with this loud earthquake and a raging fire. And God was not in any of those. But when the wind and the earthquake and the fire and all that stopped, it says, in that quiet, and that quiet after the storm, after the earthquake, after the fire, when all that went out, he said, he heard a still small voice. That's when God spoke to him, and he and he listened, and he heard. And God said, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" Then he called him to Damascus in Syria, which is where they were battling yesterday. <laughs> so it's kind of like, what a fitting time. And this is uh, uh, where those battles are taking place, makes prophecy people eyes awake. Isaiah 17, 1, read that. Damascus will be a ruinous heap. Uh, we bombed it good, and so. Um, but uh, but Elijah has called for that, and so he was quiet and listening. Verse 1 goes on and says, it says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. So be careful as we approach and be ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools for they consider not that they do is evil. It says that what they are doing is evil. So we kind of need to read a little further and figure out what he means by that. But again, so a thoughtful approach, coming ready to listen more than to speak. So he gives us that. And then he's going to talk about this sacrifice of fools. So verse 2, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. Fools say much, pretty much is what he's saying. They make big deals with God. See in verse 1 says that they do evil. Verse 3 is a little comparison. He says, For a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness. And a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. So this is a comparison. This is like a little proverb that he's given us here. Um, In the first half there, he says, you know, for a dream cometh through the multitude of busyness. Um, It's it's basically this. Have you ever had a busy day or going to have a busy day? Um, Just recently, so two weeks ago, um, uh, my family and I bought a bus, school bus, like you do. Uh, so we bought a school bus and so uh, so, well like we do (laughs) so we're getting ready to do this and so you know how many school buses I've driven none I've ridden on a bunch but I've never driven one Um, that's a long old thing and it's tall and it's wide and um, I don't have a license for that and uh, (laughs) it wouldn't be plated I wouldn't be insured and so you know what that night I slept like not a baby. I slept like a baby who has colic. I was, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to drive. Why we'll do the brakes give out? Uh, i got to go through Columbus. I'm going to go through all this way. And, uh, I remember getting up that morning, Lane's like, sleep good? No. I drove a bus all night, and I've never driven a bus before. <laughs> it was all this, I, I didn't, you know, a busyness of my mind. My, I finally, I mean, it was waking me up and waking me up. I finally I had to sit there and, like, try to think of something else. You know, Batman. you know, I don't know what. I tried to think of something else to distract my mind. Don't think about a stupid bus. You know, turn off, brain. My brain was just going, Rrr, about all these things. I didn't know. The big wonder of not knowing. Got home safe, thank you. But um, <laughs> past every officer in Columbus, I think. Uh, but Levi just waved at them all. and They're like, "Oh, special bus." And they let him go. No, but, but, uh, uh, but you know, we got home safely, and I drove like a van, so it was, it was pretty good. But uh, you know, but I had to get my mind quiet, you know, so I had to turn it off, and it was hard to do. And he says, "So that there, you know, the busyness of a day, you know, I'm going to bring some dreams, you know." Uh, when the kids were little, Joel and uh, his, uh, his cousin, Lauren, were the same age. It was a few weeks apart. And they would play hard. And then uh, uh, Lauren's mom would say, well, at night, she's going to yell Joel's name 50 times in her dreams because they would played like bandits you know, all day long when they'd been together. And so her mind was still at the reunion, you know, saying whatever. And so same way, if you have a busy day or a busy thing coming, you know, you're going to get some wild dreams. that are going to keep you awake. And it says the same thing here, you know. So just like, you know, the busyness is going to affect your sleep or give you some dreams. A fool's voice is known by the multitude of the words. Uh, A fool is going to talk. (laughs) He's going to talk, he's going to say too much, he's going to prove that he is a fool by as much speaking. And so uh, he gets specific about what this fool and what he is talking about here, about this evil that this fool is doing that he doesn't even know. Uh, And he gets specific in verse 4. He says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools, pay which thou hast uh, vowed. God doesn't call too many people a fool too often, and here he does. He says this fool, as specific as in God's house, talking to him, he does not come in here with uh, much thought, and when he comes in, he begins to make deals. He talks to God. That's good, but he's always making deals with God. He's always making a vow, the same thing we, we would call it making a deal. If you help me here, Lord, I'll give you that there. Lord. God's like, I didn't ask for any kind of deal. You could have just asked me for that. I might have given it to you. You know, he said, I didn't ask for some big bargain, you know, but, you know, the fool comes and he talks a lot and he makes all these deals. You know, Lord, if you help me, if you help grandma, I promise I will do this and I will do that. If you'll see her through this and get them out of the hospital, my loved one in this way. You know, a lot of deals are made when someone's sick and in the hospital. You know, like those deals are, if you heal me, if you are in there, if you heal me, I'll be a missionary. I'll go wherever you want and all this. And then you get healed and you're like, well, I'll just stay here. He's like, man, if you made a vow, make a vow. Lord, if I just win the lottery, I'll give you half. Uh, he all knows we're liars, so we none of us get it. You know, so, but the, on and on and on. You know, we all know. We've all made vows. We've all made deals. He doesn't ask us to make deal, deals, and that's one of the things about it. He's like, I didn't put that on you. It wasn't like when you get in a pinch, make a deal with me, and maybe we'll bargain. You know, God's not that way. He doesn't do it that way. He says, ask. Make your petitions known unto me. You know, talk to me. Just come. This is a relationship. You know? Let's talk this through. Let's talk about this. You know? Let your request be known unto God, like breathing out and breathing in. Just keep me in your mind. Keep me, talk to me. You know, let's just know, and I'll be there. And he goes, you don't have to make vows. If you do, keep it, is what he says. See, so we bring all that on ourselves. And God says, you brought it up. You better keep it or confess it. That's why I said think I had to look through I'm like, Lord, Lord, what about those deals we make and we didn't keep them? Maybe those deals we make and then we forgot we made them. You ever done that? You're like, oh, then that prayer gets answered. You get through it and you get the bus home. And you're like, oh, do you remember to praise him? Do you remember to thank him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. We we need to. A lot of times in the nervousness and the anxiety of the before, the during, we're all up in his business. But the release comes and then the outcome is what it is. Do we remember to praise him and to thank him? We ought to. And if you made a deal with him, do you remember to keep that deal? And you made that bargain. Do we keep that bargain? So this fool comes in with a, he doesn't even consider. Look at the end of verse 1 again. <clears throat> he says, uh, sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. He says they don't realize that what they have done is that they just sinned. You made a deal and a promise to God and then didn't do it, so you lied to God, so you've just sinned. He says, and they're not even considering that. Oh, God understands, you know, God got me through that. God answered my prayer. He's like, you're not even considering, you just made a sin. It, it wouldn't have been a sin, but you created this whole scenario by making a vow, then not keeping it, that you have done evil in God's sight. Well, this could have all been blessing, 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 but you made the vow, you opened your mouth, you're the fool that kept talking and, and promising, when well, you could have just been asking and trusting. God doesn't need our bargains. God keeps his word. He'll do what he says he'll do. But no, we had to vow, and then when you break that vow, you sin. So we need to confess it. Uh, like I said, we can just make our request known to him. We have a good God. And we just ask, make our petitions known. But if we up it and we strike a deal with him, like I said, we better confess it, or we better do it, or he sees it as sin. Verse 5 says, "Better better is, is it that thou shouldest not vow then thou shouldest vow and not pay. The book says, it's better for you not to do it than to do it and then not pay. He said, so it's better, if you can't keep your part of the bargain, if you, don't, if you know yourself and you're like, I probably won't remember, then don't make the vow. Then don't make the promise. Don't, don't go there. It's better for you not to do that than to do that and lie. So, so it's better to be quiet. Let our words be few, as it says here. Um, one preacher was saying, Said that uh, in a prayer meeting, he goes when I pray for three minutes. He says the congregation prays with me. When I pray for the other three minutes, the congregation prays for themselves. And when I pray the next three minutes, they are praying against me that I would quit and sit down. And so, uh, you know, so there's much, much speaking even among us, but we can be brief, and our words can be few. And we don't have to have this long, elaborate, drawn out prayer. One uh, a guy we used to go to church with who became a missionary, I remember one time he was young and uh, zealous, and, and he was talking about praying all night and your prayer watch, and well, we're going to sign up on this list, and you're gonna, I'm going to take the two, o'clock, I'm going to pray from two to three o'clock for an hour. He said... And I always, I always kind of admired his, uh, his openness because he was pretty brash. And I can't believe you guys won't do this and you won't sign on. I'm like, I know I'm not going to get up at 2. And if I do get up at 2, I'm going to fall asleep. You know, the minute I do, I'm going to be up. I'm awake and I'm gone. The minute I start praying, I know me. Uh, and so and he came in and I remember him saying, after five minutes, I couldn't think of what else to pray about. How am I going to pray on the same thing for an hour? How many times can I keep asking for the same thing for a whole hour? Because I couldn't do it. You know, and but he he bragged about how he was going to do that, and so he at least humbly came in and said, that's a hard thing to say, that was a hard thing to do, and that humbleness, I think, helped him, it helped me, and it helped me how I thought of him. But, you know, few words, you know, God, we don't have to have a big much speaking, As a matter of fact, there's a verse against that, they, the, the pagans think with their much speaking, you know, by saying the rosary 5,000 times, or saying whatever else, that you're going to have God have some obligation to you, God's like, no, just let me know, you know, Chances are the better one is the one where it's the Holy Spirit's having to interpret because you can't put it into words, and you're just like, God, I don't know, just help. And the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Get these rash vows. Better than to not make these rash vows. Jephthah made a rash vow. He's known for it, right? Um, But the thing about Jephthah, as much as we yell at him and kind of get on him, because he did make a rash vow, he's like... The Lord has done something great. The first thing that comes out of my house, I'll offer as a sacrifice to the Lord. In their houses in that day, the bottom floor probably had animals and stuff in it. And so he's thinking a goat, a horse, something would come out. And here comes his daughter. He didn't have to make a vow. God had already answered his prayer and given this great victory. And he was trying to put icing on the top and look, God, I'll do something for you now. And cost him his daughter. He didn't kill her. I think everybody tries to say he killed her. No, but he offered her and in that she went away to serve the Lord, and so there was no grandchildren. There was no happy marriage for her. There was no future generations in that line. It was like, you know, he offered her to the Lord, and, and they fulfilled it. He fulfilled his vow. That's one good thing we can say about Jephthah. But man, it cost him. He didn't consider that, you know, as, as he made this rash vow. God didn't ask for him to make a vow, but he did. Saul made a rash vow, and they were fighting the Philistines. None of us will taste any food, you know, until we have the victory and we get them out of the ground, you know, get them out of our, our land. Jonathan didn't hear it. You know, he sees some honey and he sticks his staff in there and he eats the honey. And they're all like, "Your dad made a vow. Cursed is the guy who does this." And he's like, "Why well, that stupid vow? He made it for all of us. Think if we'd all eaten. Because look how much stronger I am. I got some. I got some honey in me. And I got some energy. God, nature, food. You know, I got all this in me. How much better would our victory been? That was a stupid vow to make. You know, so he brings some contention there. And then Ananias and Sapphira, in the New Testament. They sold some property. And they said that they gave all the money to God, but they didn't. They kept some of the money back. And God's like, it was your property. You decided to sell it. You're the one that said you're going to give it all. You're the one who lied and tried to get all the benefits of saying that, look at us. We gave all of our money while you kept some back. God's like, I'll make an example of you. And strikes them both dead, right? And so he says, make sure if you make a vow. He so says, you're the one who brought it all up. He's like, it was your property to begin with. It was your money to begin with. You Why lie about it? Don't lie about it. Don't lie to God. That's what he's saying. Don't vow. Verse 6, he says, Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the works of thine hands? Uh, angel here means minister. And so he's basically saying uh, what What the idea here is that uh, he's watching you. Yeah, they didn't keep their vow. <laughs> so he's going to let him know. So you're having to like say, Please let me know I'm sorry. He's like, you know, don't. Don't put yourself in that circumstance. You know, God will be angry. You will become a liar. Your words mean nothing. You lose clout. You lose your character. You lose all this stuff. You're worse off than you were. Don't make the vow. You know, keep your mouth quiet about it. You know, don't, don't say these things unless you're going to do it. If you have thought about it and you've prayed about it and you've been in agreement with your spouse about it and you make this vow, then be determined to make sure you do your part when God does his part. Um, verse 7, he says, for in the multitude of dreams and many words... There are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. He says you're going to dream. Uh, You're going to talk. I'm the biggest guilty here. I'm a dreamer. I like to dream. I I, I dream about things. And you're going to make plans. You're going to do all these things. But in your dreaming and in your planning, don't make vows to God. Vanity plays into it. Oh, I'll do this. And then they'll see. and, And Lord, and I'll give. And maybe we get a little bit of praise on this side of the earth for what we have done and who we did and, and how much we gave and how God worked through us as we did that. And he's like, don't let your dreams and your vanities um, come into play here. Keep your mouth quiet. Let God move and work. Give him praise when he needs praise. You don't have to make vows with him. He says, here, um, fear me. Because in this whole scenario, as I was thinking about it, making this deal, we're the devil. Come and make a deal with me. And then I'm going to backstab you, yeah, and I'm not going to do my part. You know, it's kind of how the de- deal on the devil's at the crossroad is. Ooh, I'll give you the talent to play guitar and be a rock star, and kill you in a plane crash immediately after. You know, it's like you know, always those thousand songs, thousand stories. That way, the devil always has some trick in there. We're the one of the trick. Give me this, Lord, and no, I won't do that. But I say I will. It's like we don't want to be the bad guy. We don't want to be the evil. He says, just be quiet. Let me be me. Ask me. I'm your father. Does make a deal. I make a deal with my father. Dad, please feed me tomorrow. No, my dad was going to feed me tomorrow. He's going to make sure I had it. Sometimes it was food I didn't want. You know, but you know, give me, They're going to feed me Lime of beans. But uh, you know, give me stuff. But you know, the, uh, we want to be the good guy. He wants us to be the good guy. He doesn't want us to be the fool. God sees all. God knows all. God remembers all. He remembers those deals. I was preparing for this. I was like, Lord, those deals I might have made, I forgot. Forgive me. Forgive me if I did. But the end there it says, but fear thou God. That's the beginning of wisdom. And Solomon's advice for living, even not even thinking about eternity, that Solomon's not here. But just thinking about how to have a good life here and now under the sun, he says, here's some good advice. Fear God. Verse 1 keep thy foot when thou goest into the house of God. Guard your steps and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Solomon's advice here is respect him. Respect his power. Respect who he is. Know when you go before him, you are going before the living God. And our God is a consuming fire. That when you're in his house, that you're going to remember that this is God's house and we are set apart a of time to come before him. And we're going to keep it separate. We're going to try to keep it focused. And we're going to keep on track. And we're going to try to stop. And we're going to try to listen. We're going to try to prepare our hearts to say, teach me, show me, guide me. Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, give me some direction. And Lord, if there's things I need to confess, I confess. And we're to come right and we're to come and listen. Speak to me through your text. Speak to me through your words. Speak to me through your testimonies, the kind words of fellow people in the congregation. Lord, speak to me, minister to me as I come here. Lord, help me to minister to others. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge. So Solomon's like here's here's good advice for all this life. Fear God. Listen. and Take instruction from him. And don't make rash vows. And so I think that's good advice for us here and now.